Welcome to the Perfume Room. My scent of the day today is made by today's guest and was also generously gifted to me by today's guest. I am wearing Le Douceur du Siam from Ducita. Now, if you are a floral lover, whether that be of the over-the-top endolic variety, perhaps you enjoy a soft but piercing whisper of a floral, a sweet lush bouquet, or something that's just more regal and elegant, you must try Ducita. Now, Anamkara, Melody de l'Amour, Rosarine, these are all floral perfumes from this line that I've talked about before, but I only recently had the pleasure of smelling what I'm currently wearing, Le Douceur de Siem, and compared to the others I just mentioned, this one feels distinctly like a princess scent. Like if you have ever woken up and been like, I would like to smell like a Disney princess today, this is the one. It opens with the brightest, juiciest champaka note in a way that feels sparkly and peachy and tea-like. It feels like almost like a nectar of the gods. And after several minutes, you really start to get the other main notes, which to my nose are alang alang and centifolia rose. There's like a soft, subtle creaminess from the alang alang, but it still feels very sort of like crystalline and fresh and petally from the Centifolia Rose. And this really is a category that I would say is a princess floral. And I'll give you guys some other fragrances that I would put in this category. Again, I don't think Le Douceur smells like these fragrances or that these fragrances even necessarily smell like each other, but they all evoke that similar sort of like angelic princess feeling. They would be Raja Elixir, Maya Njai Les Fleurs, Parfum de Marley de Lina La Rose, Maison Francis Kirkchan, A La Rose, Louis Vuitton Rose de Vente, Givenchy Rose Velvet, Killian Flower of Immortality. You catch my drift, you know what I'm saying? If you like any of those fragrances, you would probably like Le Douceur du Siem. With that, let's move on to the person behind this fragrance, today's guest, the brains and nose behind Ducita, Pisara Umavajani. As I mentioned, she is both the founder and perfumer, and it is a brand that became an immediate favorite for me as soon as I smelled. Why? Do I start with the fact that the brand is inspired by Pisara's desire to share her late father, Montreux Mavajani's poetry with the world, sharing his words with us and translating them perfectly into scent? Or perhaps the fact that the scents themselves are so beautifully composed, unexpected and full of nonlinear twists and turns that are beautiful on blotter, but magical on skin. Or maybe it's just Pisara's energy, one that you can feel is as genuine off camera as it is on. I so enjoyed chatting with Pissara about everything from her father's legacy to the perfumers and perfumes that have inspired her most to trusting her instincts and uprooting her entire life from Bangkok to Paris in the pursuit of perfume and, of course, the creation of Ducita Parfum. Here is Pissara Umavajani. Pissara, welcome to the perfume room. How are you doing today? I'm so great. I am a big fan of yours. I'm a big fan of yours. Your your <laughs> perfumes are beautiful. And you generously, before this podcast, sent me samples of all the ones I hadn't smelled and a bottle of rosarine, which we are going to get to because she is perfect. Um, I, I really am such a fan of your work and it's such a pleasure to be speaking with you today. Thank you so much. I am looking forward to talk to you here. Well, the first question that I ask every guest is, what fragrance are you currently wearing today? Today, um, it's a bit cold in Paris, you know, the autumn weather. And I feel like I want to be like 
Cuddle in a Gumong Sense. So I'm wearing La Rhapsody Nua by Dusita that I created. So it's like a coffee Gumong Sense with a burnt sugar note and also like a kind of fuchsia infused with a cognac. So it's kind of like a comfort scent for me today, you know. I love that scent, and I'm so glad that's the first one you brought up because I love how it does feel so like fougere and aromatic, and yet so warm. And I actually um, made my boyfriend wear it yesterday as I was making my way through your pack. I was like, "Put this on your skin right now ah. because I need to smell this on someone <laughs> I love." And it smelled so good on him. It's just, it's so, it's so beautiful. Great! I'm so happy to hear that. Really. And do you, your fragrances in your line, they're so diverse from one another and so many different fragrance families are covered. Do you personally, in your own wearing, have a sort of signature scent or scent profile, maybe fragrance family that you gravitate towards? Yes, I must say that my scent profile or choice are quite hedonistic. So it really, I use a scent according to my like, my go-to happy scents. So sometimes I use something that make me happy and make me think of my home country, Thailand, like Melody de la Mu or La Douceur de Siam. You know, it depends on the mood that I'm thinking. And sometimes I'm thinking something more complex and spicy wood like Montree that make me think of my father. Mm. So just things that sort of evoke home for you? Yeah. And I think it's interesting because like, We have the scent profile that go according to our personality, you know. And it's like I think the perfume is the expression of who you are, and your message to the world. So it's very important that we choose the scent carefully, that we don't smell like other people, you know. Do you have a fragrance hot take or controversial opinion? Yes, I think it would be the first. Um, one of the first three fragrances that I created when I started the brand Du Sitar back there in 2016, 15. Uh, it was Oud Infini. It was a perfume that created a con- controversial, like as a new perfumer entering the fragrance world, you know. Um, it was something I really believed to create some the Oud, Aga Wood fragrance that came from the real Oud. They came from my region, like where I was born, you know, and using like the natural raw materials. And the result, it became the scent that either people love it or hate it. It's the most potent oud I've ever smelled. I yeah. do remember smelling that one and being like, whoa, oh my whoa. God. <laughs> Some people said like, oh, I I really, like, I cannot stand it at all. I hate it. And some people said, oh, I love it. It's not like any other scent in the world. And that's how I learned that when you are the perfumer, you know, there's a both side of the critics. And I really learned a lot from that. Does it also make you feel like um, hard to trust other people reviewing your fragrances because the responses could be so polarizing of someone who thinks it's the best thing they've ever smelled and someone who can't stand it? Like, how do you navigate getting feedback? For me, if you like, it's more like uh, seeing like a philosophy of life. Like you, you have people who love and people who who don't, you know, and and you feel like oh, anything can happen, and it, you can have any kind of critics. It makes me believe in what I'm doing, like more. So basically, 
the most important thing to be a performer, you need to stick to your own voice. You know, you need to stick to your own philosophy, and you have to believe in what you are doing, and that make like kind of construct me to be who I am now. But I also learn from people critics or you know reviews. I love them. I love both negative and positive ones. I welcome them actually. Yeah, what is what is that like for you when a fragrance goes out into the world and it was once yours and it was in your head and it was in your memories and your idea and all of a sudden it's for other people and like do you get nervous when like to check different fragrance review sites or YouTube or or TikTok or what is that experience as a creator of perfume? You know, when I thought about that time, like. In 2016 and 15, when I was launching the brand, we didn't have a lot of YouTuber or TikToker or even Instagrammer. You know, it was like mostly in the blogs. So it was like something very curious for me. I was learning and reading a lot of comments, and and now I kind of I didn't read a lot like at that time because at that time I was only the person in my own company who you know who look at everything. You know, it's interesting because we're we're jumping ahead a lot, but I do have a question as you're talking about this that's making me think of it because I read that Anamkara is inspired by some sort of like collective feedback from a Facebook group, right? Can you tell exactly. us about that? Yes, I love perfume communities, and I feel like people who appreciate the perfume, you know, they share common interests, and you know, it's a kind of the beginning of world peace. And I feel like I want to do something, create something for them back then during the COVID, because COVID kind of make people sad and have a low spirits. So I was thinking, like, what can we do for? What can do Sita do? So I contact Christy Long and Oh My So, and they said like let's create a fragrance together. So we have like a whole process, you know. It was so fun. What was the process? How did that happen? Like, were people involved being like more Jasmine? Like, how did that? How did that work? <laughs> It was like from the beginning, like the real beginning, like uh, the idea of the fragrance. First, can you suggest some notes? Can you suggest three notes? Can you suggest the images that come? I was because I'm like a visual person, so I want people to suggest like a photo that mean to them, like for this perfume. And then the more they talk, the more we realize that being here together is about friendship. And then I talk to them and I do some lives. You know, I say, "How do you feel?" And people react to me. You know, and I go to my lab. I do some laboratory work, and then I send some samples to to first I send to Christy for her to smell, but it wasn't a success one. It was like it was difficult. <laughs> Actually, create a perfume is already difficult, and you know you need to select the idea and you know go to the right way, and then I select the other three ingredients that are the key, which is like. The key of having a friend, you know, when you meet a friend, you offer flower because you love them, just to show that you care. And sometimes you drink tea together, and you know, sunshine, like this kind of idea, picnicking under the sun, which is like a dream activity during the COVID, which nobody did it, you know. Yeah, that is true. It's a very fantasy friend. It's like fruity and sweet and floral and bright. And I could totally see why during COVID, 
That's yes. exactly what friendship meant or reminded people of. Hmm. I love Anamkara. I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I'm so happy. I love it. Yeah. Thank you. And then at the result, we even have the competition of the name. So we have like people who suggest the name. And the funny thing, you know, Emma, is like three people suggest Anamkara as a name. Three different wow. people from the world. So it's meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, well, let's go back to your earliest memories. You were talking about even with um, Udom Fini that you wanted to create something that smelled like real oud that you knew. What are some yeah. of the earliest um, scent memories you have or perhaps even earliest perfume memories? So I grew up in a house with a big garden in the middle of Bangkok. Um, I'm very lucky because like right now it's already difficult to live in the middle of Bangkok with a garden. So at that time, I was playing alone in the garden and I love my earliest smell was the, the earth after the rain and smelling the earth, the yasmin, the, there is a pink lotus, the frangipani, which is like a sort of pumaria in Thailand, the flower that I really love and of course roses and this kind of uh, observation make me become who I am now because I always connect to that house and in that house there's a mail of like the old books from my mm. dad's library you know the vintage perfume that my mom my aunt collect and my my father love it too wow so so you're talking about the perfume your family collected I'm curious what were some of the perfumes that you remember smelling as a child Wow, there's a few. You know, my grandfather, she loved like 4711. She loved wearing that, you know. She was like 75 at the time. And my aunt, she loved La Dutom by Nina Rishi. You know, the old vintage that has like the little bird on the top. Right. And Chanel number no. 5, she loved too. And I know that you love vintage fragrances. Do you feel like these fragrances sort of put you on that path? Like when did when did you personally get into perfume? So it was like around almost 20 years ago when I was like uh, a student in Bangkok. So it started from being a perfume collector, having a friend who shared the same interest. So I have this friend who is a movie director in, in Thailand and he's very close friend to me. His name is Anusha. And we we became a good friend because we have a common interest in collecting the or bottle of vintage perfumes together. So we go everywhere to find it, like uh, sometimes on the eBay, sometimes in the flea market, sometimes from my collection, from his collection, you know. And what happened is that one day we realized that, oh, how how do we learn really that like how the great perfume was created? We should buy some raw materials and we should like see you know, we should learn together by doing it. So we start to buy raw materials. We start to to download some books. And that's how it starts. And it starts several years, actually many years before I came to Paris. So you were already creating perfume in Bangkok before you ever before you ever yeah. came to Paris. Okay, yes. interesting. And what was that like? Like, was it more just like exploratory or were you making like formulas? Like, what was that for you? It was like making formula, but it was like a pure happiness because you don't think about other things, you know. You just think about the creation. 
you you think about the how to make it beautiful. You you only focus on you know the creative part of the perfumery, which is very fun. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it's very great also to to approach the perfumery that way. Yeah, to approach with love and passion. So you were making creations in Bangkok, um, and I know that the first fragrance that you came out with was uh, Isara. Yes. Was that something that you were working on in Bangkok, or did that start in Paris for you? So the funny thing is, Isara was actually the the first formulation I ever created in my life. So basically, the time that we gather the raw materials and and we do an exercise, like oh, what would be the conception of a scent? And what would be, you know, your first composition if you could do anything, you know, freely? And I was thinking about the conception of Fuja, a total freedom, like when you are not even think you are wearing a perfume, when you are walking into like the forest and you feel a wind, you know, blowing softly on your face, and you feel a completely freedom, like Isara was that moment. That's beautiful. I mean, you're talking about fougeres, and I know this was your first creation. Like, what was that education process like for you? How long did it take in your sort of independent studies before you were like, okay, I am a perfumer, and this is going to be a business for me? For me, to be a, a, a self-taught perfumer, for me, the, you need to be persevere in your study, you need to have like a kind of discipline, even more than if you go to school, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, because I feel like I always need to learn about the fragrance component knowledge, the Zen family and nose, and even always try new blending techniques all the time. So it, for me, it takes a really long time for me to be able to conceptualize and turn it into the brand. Because I think that the perfume creation, it shouldn't, like, it's a creative process, but it also takes time and practice, you know. And when you want to offer something to the world, you want to do your best. So basically, trial and errors, of course. And I create, like, I think I did more than 100 formulations in the database, like, that, you know, I sent. And I I could launch only, like, 14. So you imagine, like, the time we spent. I can't imagine. It's, it's a lot. Yeah, and I'm curious, were you, when you were learning and sort of building this habit, were there any um, perfumers or specific perfumes that were kind of, like, the North Star for you of, like, I love this style so much. I love Runishka as a classical style, okay? Because I love the way he wasn't classical trend, but he already like, like he created like his own method, you know? And I really love like all the suwash in the past and the Orissimo that he created. And I think it's quite, a, in my opinion, revolutionary. And, and then the women, Perfumer that I love, they are German Celier. She who create bandits, very like revolutionary, very brave, and being a woman, and she's very, you know, I would love to meet her if I could turn back time. And also Sophie Groschman. Another amazing perfumer. Yeah, well, I'm curious as you're speaking about these perfumers and sort of their styles that resonate with you. 
if someone were to get their nose on Ducita for the first time, what would you say is your signature or maybe a DNA that's present throughout the line? It's very interesting question, you know. People say that I have a strong signature. It's not like the the raw material that I use in common, but it's like a a kind of style that that have like a edgy style, but with a a bit of vintage, with a contemporary background. So if I think about that, I would say that my style would be like a probably contemporary music, you know. Like I would say it could be a song like Rhapsody in Blue. Let that have like different tune and sometimes slow, sometimes fast, but it always something contemporary, I would say. I mean, I really agree. Like all of your fragrances are so different from one another, but they all have a very bold, I feel like they all have a very distinguished point of view and a lot of character and depth. And they all do feel like a nod to fragrances, not, not imitations, but like just like reverence, reverence for vintage fragrance and styles of of fragrances from, you know, 50 years ago that you see like little pieces of, of like a little animalic thing here or there or a little sheep or a fougere that just sort of peeks in that feels like just very um, like nostalgic in a beautiful, but in a modern way. Thank you. Sometimes can be minimalist, sometimes not. But, you know, it's like uh, something that you can feel. I think I think what I would love that can people relate to their own experience when they smell my perfume, you know? It makes them think of something that they've experienced in the real world or a feeling or emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know that this is also a deeply personal line for you and that you started Dusita inspired by your father, um, who was a poet, Montreu Mavajani. And I would love to learn more about your father. Um, For people listening, can you tell us who he was, and what you wanted to capture about him and his writing in your fragrances. Thank you. My father, he was a poet. He was someone who worked with passion, endlessly working like at night, late at night, you know. He he wrote everything in a short English poem, in a haiku form, and he published, um, you know, I, I have like a, his books, like of his lifetime work, it's called SOS The World. And he's someone who really curious about life. I would say avant-garde for his time. He loved to travel. And, you know, at that time when we didn't have like a lot of internet or anything, he liked to record moment to moment feeling or thoughts that came into his mind in one moment. And... He taught me how to live with passion and love. The The personal history is that when he passed away, he had a cancer and he was standing next to his bed. It was the day before he passed away. He was telling me that in, in this life, he created a lot of books. He wrote a lot and he printed a lot of books. And it was like very niche, you know. Not many people know about him and he didn't print it to sell. And he said that, you know, I work a lot. I work hard in my life. But if only one person, which is like a professor from Chicago, that appreciate my work, my mission has accomplished. 
So at that moment, I look at him and I say, like, I really want to do something for him in my life. I want to make his poetry known. And that was like, that was how I, I want to combine the dusita with the poetry. This is beautiful. You're like making like the other thing is not only have you brought his poetry to life, but you've done it in a multisensorial way. So you're sharing his words with people in the descriptions of the fragrances and they and and bringing them to life, but you're also giving them smells and you're giving them new dimension and I just Thank you so much. I'm so sorry about your father. I I have also lost my father also to cancer and so I I understand I just Obviously, everything's different, but I just I, I feel on a deep level that I, I can't even imagine the way that your dad is looking down, beaming on you for what you've done to honor him and to start a legacy of your own and share your work with everybody. I, I just I think it's the most beautiful thing. Thank you, Emma. I'm happy that like, you know, if my fragrance make him make people read his poetry, like something that make me warm feel warm in my heart because deep down I really want people like him, you know, the artists, people who live for arts and work with passion to be recognized in the world. Hello, it's me interrupting your listening to say, if you love Perfume Room, please support the podcast and help it grow by subscribing, rating, and reviewing it. You can subscribe and rate it on Spotify, on iTunes and Audible, you can subscribe and rate and review it. And like I said, it really goes a long way. It helps new people discover the podcast and it helps me scale the show. And of course, it means so much to me. If you want to support me in other ways where you can get something wonderful back, book a scent consult with me. Gift one to a loved one. There is nothing I love more than meeting you, learning all about your tastes, your aesthetic, your budget, what you're looking for, and helping you find the perfect fragrance. Let's get back to the episode. Can you share um, one of his um, poems and what scent it inspired? And secondarily, what made you think of those notes for that poem? Like why it smells like the way it does? Of course. I'm going to share you one of the very short poem. My feeling for you is like a flower blooming in an empty room. So... This is the poem that I used to create, the perfume called Melody de la Moon. You know, it started with like the process. It was like understanding the poem. I want to read it twice because I really want to understand what it is about. It's a poem. The more I read this short poem, the more I feel like it's about love. You know, because my father, he... It's not someone who said, I love you, but he says like love is like a fragrance. You can feel it in the presence of that person. You can feel it by doing little things for the other, you know. So this is the, the essence of Melody de la Mou. And then I, I identify how to translate it into the, the notes and pyramid of active. So I was thinking I want to create my feeling, the feeling of love. That is like a beautiful flower blooming in an empty room. So I want to create a white flower bouquet that has like a purity of like, you know, of different flowers, of course. And that diffuse in a room that that may smell like love. So I blend different things like jasmine, orange flower blossom, bloom, 
gardenia and tuberoses. And I, I back it up with like the warm feeling of sandalwood and cedarwood. So that was like my Melody de la Moore creation that inspired by poetry. Beautiful. You're also an illustrator and you draw images that go with each fragrance. Yes. I really love drawings. You know, it's like one of my hobbies as well. And I think um, synesthesia is connecting different senses together. And for me to understand, it's first of all, the illustration I did before it was for myself to understand the scent better and to be able to tell the story and sometimes to be able to also select the right raw material to, I think, perfumer, we are the storyteller. We tell the story. Wow. It's like, you know, when you look at the movie, it's the same. Like when we create the movie, it's, it's not only one thing, but it's everything combined together, you know, the little details. And I feel like drawing make me understand the scent. And I use it also in the packaging and in the, the And sometimes I love to print it for the perfume lover as a souvenir for them. <laughs> It's so multisensorial. There's so many different aspects. And it's interesting because you've talked about fragrances inspired by everything from your father's prose to a Facebook group and crowdsourcing during COVID. I'm curious of all the fragrances you've created, which one has the most um, unique or unlikely inspiration? Ah, wow. I would say everything has a different inspiration, but I would say... um, Maybe one one perfume inspiration that is more unique than the other would be the perfume called Era One. It was like, I remember it was mentioned in your podcast with yes, Eric. Yes, yes. It was one of the first fragrances I smelled from um, your your line, by the way. It's such an interesting, like, yeah? is there galbanum in there? A little bit. It's like vetiver, but galbanum. It's like green, but dry. It's like so many different things going on at the same time. It's so... It's such an interesting, beautiful fragrance. Thank you. What was the inspiration for Erwan? You know, um, Kanchanaburi, which is like a province in the west of Thailand. And that province, it has like a beautiful waterfall. It has the emerald color, like Erwan. And this is the movement, the passage of elephant when you walk, passing through the rainforest and drier forest and the rice field go to the water, waterfall of era one. And the poetry, it was like discovering yourself and walking toward the light, you know. It was about the passage of life. And I feel like that is kind of like different inspiration than the others that I have created. Mm, beautiful. And I, I do want to talk about, you were talking about inspiration from Thailand, and I know that your fragrances. Um, you you sort of describe them as sort of evoking classic French perfumery with a mix of Thai heritage. I want to talk about first that, but also what drew you to Paris? And did you know it would be a permanent move when you made it? Oh, you know, I would say that the my connection to my father brought me to Paris because he was living here in the past before he went back to work in Thailand. And he always said to me, like, you must learn French. You must understand the culture here. And I I didn't listen to him at that time. So what happened is when I when he passed away, I was pretty sad. I was I was in a 
like a state of sadness. And I, I said, I really need to travel to find myself, to find what I'm passionate for in my life. So I came to Paris, and I came to different city of Europe. But the first time I came here, I saw a man with exactly the same shoes, the loafer like my father used to wear. And I was thinking about him, you know. And I was thinking maybe that it's a sign. Yeah, what he want me to be. Yeah, the destiny and and I came. I decided to come to come to Paris a few years later. You know, it was a strange decision because first I don't have anyone here, so I didn't have a boyfriend. Nobody here <laughs> didn't speak French, but I came here with a strong feeling that I really want to learn. To see the perfume, and first I had to become student. Like it was a big adventure for me, more than ten years ago now. And so you learned French all just you moved here, just picked it up, established a whole business. You have a storefront. <laughs> do you envision yourself ever leaving Paris? And also, how often do you go home to Thailand? You know. In the early years, I go home very often because I was a student, and I always love I love Thailand. But now, when Dusita grow a little bit bigger over the time, I didn't go back for five years already because I I really I want to take care of the people here, you know, in the organization, and I feel like they are my family also here at Dusita. And now you've just had a baby, and your baby is was born in Paris, I presume, right? So now you have a French baby. Yes, yes. Um, congratulations! <laughs> Thank you so much. How is motherhood, and how has it been balancing everything and um, being a mom? Actually, the funny thing was like it was, you know, in France we have like four months of maternity leaves. That you can also like profit it before and after, you know, two months and two months. But I couldn't really stop working, so just <laughs> just the one day before I delivery baby, I was like working a little bit at the boutique. I was driving, you know, I'm not supposed to, and I I want to balance between working and also the personal life. The family life, and I realized that the successful life is not really about one thing, but it's about like little thing that come together in harmony. So it's about the relation with me and the company, and also how I raise the baby. You know, so I look at it in a different light, and I didn't I didn't realize that having baby can be the sita. Yeah, yeah. I prepare for the worst. Actually, there you go. <laughs> That's really, and if you had to get, if you had to create an ab, a perfume inspired by the smell of your baby, by the smell of motherhood, yeah, what does that smell like to you? Wow, it would be something that have a playful smell, because like um, I think the baby they have like innocence, um, you know, the feeling of innocence and playful at the same time, and the feeling of. You know, of discovering everything, look at everything in the curiosity, with the white, you know, as a white page that you are ready to put any color in. So I would, I would use the the raw material that 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 feel clean, but also not so clean, you know. But I would use the raw 
like more natural raw material to depict this. So it's gonna be combination of wood, certain flower, and you know spice to create like some emotion. Like little spice can be good, like cardamom and. <laughs> so maybe we'll see a, a fragrance someday inspired by this very exact um, conversation we're having. Well, you did. You did also yes. just launch. Um, Rosarine, which we yes. were sort of talking about earlier. And I, I mean, this is not about me. This is about you. But I just want you to know and listeners to know how perfect this rose is. It is orris and cacao and patchouli and rose. And I want to know when you were creating Rosarine, I saw on your website that it was like you wanted to make the perfect rose. What did you feel didn't exist in the market that you wanted to capture in this rose fragrance? I think, you know, when you think about roses, it has so many different aspects and complexity. Rose is a poetic flower, and sometimes we always think like, rose is only the time when it's bloom and open, you know, and when we smell it. But actually, for me, I want to capture also the feeling of the soil, the greenness of like the, the new leaves that come out. Also the feeling of the rain, you know, after the rain. And of course, like the touch of Paris, because this rosary, it came from the time I went to Bagatelle Garden in June. <laughs> it was my early years in Paris and I was discovering many things and they gave me a paper and a pen and they said, oh, um, we asked everybody to read different roses here. So they have a competition of roses. So it's not one rose. It's a different kind of roses. Beautiful, like different shapes, different sizes. And that's, I really want to capture the, you know, the beautiful garden of rose. Wow. So you, so you went around to the garden and you're smell like you get to smell different um, varietals of roses, basically. Yeah. Do you yeah, remember yeah. one sticking out to you? I mean, this is something that's come up on the podcast before of like how no two roses smell the same. Is there one rose varietal that is your favorite, whether it's in perfume or just in person? Yeah, it's like a rose that has a two, two color together, the pink and the, the light yellow rose Ooh. in one. one. It, it's like the rose that, that won the, the prize. It's called the it's called cooler pin, something mm. like that. I mean, it's something similar to double delight, but it's not. And the other type of rose that I really love to mention is like rose de may, which in France we cannot have it at home, you know. It's like a species that you need, you cannot like grow it from home, yeah. It has to only be in, is it only in grass or what is the... What's the rule there? Yeah, yeah. It's only for the people who produce the essence in glass. Wow. You know, like, it's something very controlled, you know. It's like the word champagne. Right. Okay. Interesting. So, but I love it. Yeah. But I, I can, you know, what we could find similar species and similar scent to Rose de May. That has a similar look, but it doesn't call Rose de May. Mm. But that you can have it. At home, and I could, I, I grew one of those at home, which I really love too. Wow. The appellation in France is, is so strict of like, this is for this region, this is for this region. And it's, I I haven't found that anywhere else in the world with wines, <laughs> with, with champagne, you know, obviously champagne, with flowers even. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It's really, um, I, I, I love how 
protected and preserved that heritage is. It's kind of a beautiful thing. It's interesting because like it's how people in France they're very proud of their origin, their history, you know, their products, which is very admirable when when you see here. Because when we talk about cheese, you know, when we talk about different type of things, you can find in each region and. Amazing to discover, actually. So, when you say your fragrances have a sort of um, French classic perfumery flair, what does that mean to you? Yes. So, I took the inspiration from like I studied the French perfumery, like I studied from my days of collecting the perfume, and also when I came here, um, not in a classical school, but as like I do a lot of research about how the more more modern French perfumery as well, and that was like my base in seeing how d u s i t a evolved as the creating different perfume with the different family, and then I took inspiration from Thailand and from different places in the world. Not only Thailand, sometimes Japan, sometimes you know in a different countries. To for me, perfume is like a voyage. And when we look at the classic perfume in the past, there are two perfumes that I, I really admire, like Shalima and Nahima from Gerlang, and it was like similar. So we took the history, a piece of history, and we turn into like a storytelling, you know. And that's I really want Dusita to do is tell the story through the scent and combine different culture together. Yeah. Okay, well, it has been a pleasure talking to you. I can't believe how it's already been almost an hour because I feel like I could talk to you for two more hours. Really? Yes, I know. <laughs> But we have one final question of the show before we get to the final segment, which is a general question that, however, you want to answer it. What is something, perfume or personal, that you are excited about or looking forward to right now? Ah, I'm looking forward to. Um, I think personally, I think I want to go to the U.S. Next year, come visit. Yes, I really want to meet you in person. Yes, likewise. and also like you know talk about Dusita and you know launch a new perfume there. Yay! Okay, <laughs> well, something for many of the listeners of this podcast are based in the U.S., so this is very exciting for all of us. Um, something to look forward to. Amazing. Okay, we have a final segment of the show. It is a rapid fire scent association game called "What's That Smell." I will throw out people, places, emotions, whatever, and you tell me the first smell that comes to mind. Okay. Are you ready to play? What's that smell? Yes. Mmm. What's that smell? So, what is the smell of Bangkok? The smell of Bangkok is the blend of spices, the traffic jam. And the smell of the rain, the jasmine after the rain. Beautiful. What is the smell of Paris? Wow, the freshly baked croissant and baguette in the boulangerie, and then the feeling, the smell of the metro, which is not so pleasant, <laughs> and the contrast. <laughs> of course, the smell of the beautiful sunshine. And also the rain, that you know that can happen in Paris all the time. <laughs> it happens at the same time. Both rain and sunshine. Yeah, yeah. On a side note, I was in Paris a few months ago, and I I think your store was closed. It's on. Uh, is it on Rue Saint Honoré? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Next, next to it. I think I walked by your store because I like had bookmarked it on my phone, really? but it was closed that day. And I was like, ah, I, but um, I'm so sorry. No, I mean, you know, next time, please, please come. Yeah. Emma, I would love I, to meet I will, you. Yeah, I mean, I hope to go back to Paris soon because I feel, I think I feel a similar thing you do where I just feel like, I feel like I'm meant to be there. I think <laughs> about Paris and I'm just like, um, okay, what is the smell of love? The smell of love, you know, I think it would be the smell of the light soap of a man that you love mm. when he took came out of the shower <laughs> and like a feeling like a bit sexy and the smell of the skin and also the smell of that person in a room when he or she is not there anymore. Wow. So the smell of love came when you don't feel the presence of the person and he's in your mind. Wow. We're getting real deep on perfume room today. Okay. <laughs> what What is the smell of your five Yorkies? <laughs> For everybody listening, Pisara has five Yorkies. <laughs> wow, I think it depends on what they do. If they're naughty enough, <laughs> I would not tell you the current smell, which is very animal <laughs> But when they smell, like they have a certain smell on their neck, which is I really love to smell, like they have a soft like uh, fur on the neck, you know, and I like to kiss them like that. And it's like smell like a little bit like a bakery, a bit like a a kind of butter rice. It would be a part of the the shampoo and the perfume I, I spray on them. So a little bit sweet and the softest smell I ever it would be the kind of yellow base. It would be the smell of love for me too. <laughs> what is the smell of Dusita? The smell of happiness. It can be different from one to another, but nevertheless happiness. Okay. And you know the final question. What is the smell of Pisara Umavajani? <laughs> I think it would be the smell of like, Something's earthy and spicy at the same time, and it has a different size. It, if it's a perfume, it would be, it, I would have a both feminine and masculine side. A kind of, sometimes can be like uh, sensual fragrances, but sometimes can be also, you know, something that, a contrast of that. I, I hope I answered your question. Yeah, you did. You did. Well, it has been such a pleasure chatting with you, Pisara. And I know people who listen to this podcast, many of them have tried and love your perfume, but I am telling you, if you haven't, you must because oh, they are just beautiful. Where can people listening um, discover your fragrances and follow you? Ah, thank you so much. So they can follow me in the Pafang Dusita Instagram. And right now we just open a channel of subscribe channel of Pafang Dusita, Emma. And I would love to invite you one day. I would love that. <laughs> and also at the, my personal Instagram is Ploy Uma. Ploy is your, is your nickname, right? Yes. Ploy means sapphire. Ooh. So it's like a nickname in Thai. Ploy. Beautiful. Thank you. Um, and, and people can shop your fragrances. Um, they're at Lucky Scent, right? Yes. Yeah, they are at Lucky Sense and there are many, many shops across the U.S. 
physio and uh, like different beautiful places, niche perfumery places around the U.S. More reason for you to come to the U.S. on your <laughs> on your national tour of your perfumes. I would love that. I would love that. You know, Emma, you to study in the U.S. when I was young. Oh, really? Where did you study? In Northfield, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Northeast? You know, Northfield Mount Hermann School. Wow, yeah. okay. In like three hours from Boston. Wow. What brought you there? You know, I, I had like a strong will to learn English. And I kind of applied to different schools to speak better English. And I fell in love in the New England that's where I am right now. I'm in Connecticut. I didn't ah. say it because I figured, I, you know, Connecticut to people across the world, though, it doesn't really mean anything. But I'm sure you know Connecticut if you were in Massachusetts. I know very yeah. well. This podcast was edited by Joe Leonardo. Music is by Max Vernon. And illustrations are by Israel Rodriguez. Rodriguez.